We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation Sports Talk approaching the end of Southern Cal Week. Arrow Guy, 173, jumping in, beat SC. Let me ask you something. Is this game is this game up there for you on the season? Like, I know everyone wants to beat Ohio State, and you know the 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 chances to go undefeated and, and make the playoff, those are out the window. Is USC that game where you're just like, they got to win that one every year? I think especially now, this like the way this season has been. You know, One, it's your rival. So, yes, you've got to beat them every year. And they owned SC for a while. And then, of course, both schools changed coaches in the same year. And USC got this offensive guru, and he got his quarterback to follow him over there. And Marcus Freeman – you know, didn't have that uh, advantage in year one. And I guess the long and the short of it is to answer your question. Yeah, you've got it. This is this is a huge game for Notre Dame, like regardless of rivalry, because of the stature of USC, what they are this year. And for Notre Dame to have a chance, any chance to salvage this season and make it not be a complete disappointment. This this game becomes a must, I think this weekend what do you think yeah I think this is a must-win game for Notre Dame and I think you'll see um I I saw what happened last week um in terms of you know how people kind of quickly switch sides on Marcus Freeman I guess you could say (laughs) and if you lose this were you one of them were you one of them I was too I still believe in Marcus Freeman as a whole but I still think he did stuff bad last week there's enough questions I think and I think all the questions are valid right now you know I don't think there's any way around that after what we've seen the last couple of weeks with with some of the decisions that have been made and just some of the general unorganized chaos out there on the field at times. Yeah, so, yeah, again, this is, for me, must win. Um, And I think you can, can, going six and two, four games left, that's what's crazy. After this game, we're at four games left with two bye weeks, right? So, like, the season is going to, really stretch out. You're not going to have as many games, but I feel really good about the chances of six and two um, with again, two bye weeks coming up and, and the remaining four, uh, you know, opponents on the schedule. You're kind of through 
the gauntlet of the schedule. And I think you need that exclamation point at the end of this tough stretch. And you got to beat one of these teams, right? Like you, you lost to Ohio State. Your best win is against Duke on the road right now. Um, it, it would be great to beat a top 10 team at home uh, inside Notre Dame Stadium this Saturday night. Absolutely right. And even though they lost to, you, to Ohio State in their last home game, Sam Hartman has played better at home this season. So maybe that kind of gets him going. The offense in general has been better. We'll see if that gets him going this weekend. There's uh... <laughs> all I got to say is I, I knew it was, you know, I, I, I knew salty as soon as I, I said it, that, that you might be one to jump on that unorganized chaos as if there's any other kind of, I mean, there can be organized chaos, right? Like, yeah, I think there can be organized chaos for sure. Especially when you're talking football, you know, like, I think that you could uh, I think that you could make the case that a really good swarming defense is uh, is is actual organized chaos. Yeah, I, I can get on board with that. Yeah. All I got to say is I'm pumped up for USC week. I have a ton of stuff to kind of get through today. Going to hit defensively, going to hit USC, going to hit offensively stuff to do, do against USC. There's a lot of good material to get in today, and I'm really fired up. I'm I'm running on fumes. I got home at like 8 in the morning off a red-eye flight from California, but I'm still pumped up. I'm excited right. for USC. This is like, as a kid, this was my favorite game of the year. You know, like I would always try to find tickets to this game. Uh, my best friend and – one of my best friends and I, we would go scalp out, you know, when people were still selling like hard tickets before the game. Like I always wanted to beat USC. Like, even if the season was considered, you know, like, and I'm not saying this is going to happen this year, but I feel better about a team going eight and four and beating USC or a nine and three going, you know, beating USC. That's how much the game matters to me. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. You were at the Bush push game, weren't you? Yeah, I was at the Bush push game. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I thought I remember that right. All right. So we will get, it is, it is Thursday and that means whiteboard day. It says it in the title of the show. So it's kind of self-explanatory, but. Um, some thoughts from Marcus Freeman first. He did his noon Zoom earlier today. Final comments from the Fighting Irish head coach before the game Saturday. We've seen all five running backs this year. Andrek Estime, of course, continues to be the workhorse. Jeremiah Love steadily getting the next most reps over the last few games, especially. And Marcus Freeman was uh, was asked today, like, is that going to continue? Is it going to kind of be maybe a little bit more one-two punch there with love and estimate? I think you've seen an increase in, in Jeremiah's um, carries production in the past few games. Uh, you know, he's, he's continuously getting better. Um, Audric is, is Audric. He, we we got to continue to, um, you know, give the ball to Audric and, and, and protect him and, and making sure that we – open up some run lanes for him, uh, you know, but we still feel comfortable with Jadarian and, and Jabron and even Devin Ford coming in the game in their specific roles. And so um, we know as the season goes on, you, you, as I said weeks ago, you can't continuously play five guys equally, you know, and, and that's what you've seen is that Audric and, and, and Jeremiah have taken probably the, the majority of the load with, with Jadarian being third. And so I think you'll see a similar type um mindset as we go into this game you know there's there's certain packages for certain guys but we're going to continuously make sure that Audrey Estime and Jeremiah Love have a chance to to do some some things with the balls in their hands as, as well as Darian Price so what do you think Jess would you like to see 
even more of Jeremiah Love and maybe less of the other three, not named Audric Estime, going forward? Yeah, I uh, on Tuesday's show, I made a point to kind of uh, look at Jeremiah's Love's production because I feel like a lot of people have noticed that he provides a lot of bursts out of the backfield, um, and he's a nice complimentary back to Audric Estime. Um, and I would argue that Jeremiah Love should should see even more touches than he's getting now. So I don't know if that eats into a little bit of Audric's and takes away from the rest of them. Uh, but, I mean, against Louisville, Audric Estime touched the ball seven to eight times, and he averaged seven and a half, you know, per per if that was a rush or if he was catching a screen out of the backfield. Just him touching the ball was generating on average seven and a half yards. I think that's a guy that you have to continue to use more. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that he should be taking away some of that volume from the remaining backs. And I think he should also be taking away a little bit of volume from Audric Estime and his overall volume should just be up in general. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that he should be taking away some some volume from these other backs. The two back package, haven't seen as much of that the last couple of games, but the two back package has predominantly been Jeremiah Love and Devin Ford. We don't see Audric Estime in that. Would you would you like to see a way? Would it be beneficial? I think it would anyway to have Estime and Love on the field at the same time. Whether it's you uh, twenty two, whatever you're, you're taking away from some of my surprises. Okay, that oh, I have ooh, later. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So didn't I'm just going to spoil, say, didn't yeah. mean to spoil the whiteboard. All right, <laughs> I told you there's a lot of stuff today. You wouldn't have known about that, so I'll give you. Give right. a little bit of pass. I have no idea what's coming up on the whiteboard. There's like one little thing that I kind of think might be coming up. But other than that, I don't know what's coming up <laughs> in the whiteboard. So we will save that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. How about the guards? We saw the guard rotation last week. Is that going to continue? The rotation of the guards will will be is, is at times their play um, dictates. You know, last week, obviously, with Cougs not being able to practice uh, for for a day and a half of, of preparation went into the, the thought of rotating guards, um, you know, but, but I feel like everybody's had a good week of preparation. You know, we'll go into the game, plan to use in the, the normal starting five, but again, play time at times dictates, um, you know, putting guys in the game. You know, if we don't play to the standard that we believe our offense or anybody on our team should, then you have to be able to put guys in the game that you feel can do their job. And so I don't ever want our guys playing fearless, like playing with fear of being taken out of the game. But we also have to make sure that our guys that are in the game are executed. He dropped something in there that I don't think we heard last Saturday or Monday in terms of this guard rotation. What he said was Pat Coogan was not able to practice all last week. And so that kind of started this. So that's, I think a new development. I I don't remember again. I don't remember hearing that. What like he's basically saying if you know if you're doing your job, you're going to stay out there on the field and you won't necessarily be subbed out on the offensive line. But <laughs> he's obviously not yeah. ruling out that we could see more of it this week. So I think ultimately, you know what what was the big deciding factor last week was uh, Coogan was hurt. And then Blake Fisher suffered some sort of hand injury, you know, in the game as well. And then that led to some shuffling amongst the offensive linemen. And I think what Marcus Freeman was trying to do uh, in this particular, you know, soundbite is just the, to, to clarify that he's not just rotating offensive linemen for the sake of rotating offensive linemen. He's either doing it because guys are hurt or you're playing so bad that you've become a liability to this team. He's not yeah. just going to start running out different offensive linemen for the fun of it, essentially. And I don't, I don't mind that at the end of the day, I think those are, you know, perfectly fine scenarios in order to uh, rotate offensive linemen. Out. I just don't like when you start rotating guys for no reason, or you think it's yes. going to provide a spark or, you know, maybe you're not doing hot. You just got to stick with those guys. That's, there's a reason they've gotten you this far. Um, and yeah, that, that's just kind of how I think about it. Hey, Jeremy said he heard they had to back off practices last week because the team was gassed. Any truth to that? I mean, I don't, I don't know about necessarily gas. He did talk early in the week about with the GPS numbers they have and stuff like that, sort of knowing, like rearranging, kind of like what they did in some different team, you know, team periods and and things like that. You know, so that was that was definitely factored in. Um, we're going to get more into the the whole eight games to start the season in that conversation and IB countdown to kickoff this weekend. Then that, that of course the YouTube video drops Friday nights and the audio podcast drops Saturday mornings before the game. So even though this will be our last IB countdown to kickoff of the week, we've got, or not IB countdown to kickoff IB nation sports talk. We've got a uh, countdown to kickoff coming up this week. Another comment though, from Jeremy, can we just keep the same personnel in the game for more than one snap at a time? How do these coaches expect anyone to get the feel of the game? And he was talking more. This is, you know, when we were talking about the running backs and, you know, some more skill position stuff a minute ago, you know, it's, it's one thing to have 
you know, to sort of be multiple and have these different packages and things like that, that you can run in and out. I don't disagree with what he's saying that like the wide receivers, it seems like spend as much time running on and off the field as they do running plays at some points, you know, and especially when you're depleted a little bit at wide receiver, keep the same guys on the field and, and, and just kind of shuttle them around in terms of what your formation looks like. I don't think you've necessarily got to shuttle personnel on and off the field all the time. I, I think that there's something to that. Let them get in a little bit of rhythm and, and get going. What do you think? Yeah, I think rather, especially early on in the game, when you're going a little bit more scripted, um, I, I would be in favor of that as well. Kind of isolating what guys you want to kind of predominantly fold into the mix offensively. And then, you know, rotating them into different kind of personnel packages like you see for example you see them split out Mitchell Evans Holden stays kind of out as like a you know outside wide receiver I guess you could say or like a slot wide receiver and then it, rather than subbing out why not leave him in and then you can bring him in down tight if you want into like 11 personnel or mm-hmm. you know depending on what you have there's multiple ways to use people rather than subbing out subbing out subbing out like don't get me wrong guys are going to need blows but you just got to be uh, like I agree overall with the concept of you got to let guys get into a rhythm before you take them out type situation, right? I just think that Notre Dame needs to be a little bit better about when they're deciding when and when to not sub guys in and out, right? Like there's just got to be a better feel of, okay, this guy is, you know, averaging six, seven yards per carry right now. Why don't we let, why don't we ride that out a little bit and, and see, you know, how long we can get that, how long we can really push that before we need to bring in maybe love or estimate or someone else. Final thought from Marcus Freeman before we move on to the whiteboard tonight. Midterms this week, the old dreaded midterms. As I told them on Monday, like this is uh, every week at Notre Dame is challenging, right? And and that's that's what um, they they do, right? And and I know we had midterms this week, but but it, it goes back to preparation for your, your midterms and and you know going and, and doing a good job, and so. You know, as I told them, we won't look to make any excuses. We embrace um, the the challenge of the academic rigors of, of Notre Dame, and it's what makes this place so special. Um, and so, our guys have done a great job. They got to prioritize getting rest, prioritize you know, no wasted time, and uh, I think they've done a really good job. You were a uh, student athlete in college, Jess. Did uh, did the finals, did the midterms, all that kind of stuff? Did it have did it have impact? on you slash teammates, that kind of thing. Not as rigorous maybe as Notre Dame, but private no, school not, nonetheless. <laughs> not, not as rigorous as Notre Dame. Um, so I think there's a couple things that benefit Notre Dame. These players specifically is, you know, compared to the regular student body, they've, they're, they're, they're in season uh, semester workload is, is not quite as heavy. You know, they take a lot of summer classes um, and they, they make sure to load up these semesters outside of, you know, when they're playing football. So, in, in terms of academic rigor, this is easily the easiest semester that the football players have, right? Like instead of having four finals compared to other students, four or five finals, they probably realistically only have, you know, two, um, maybe three. And so uh, it, it's definitely, you know, is it an added stressor? Sure, because, you know, it is USC week and you're preparing for a big game. And obviously your mind is going elsewhere when you have um, academics to worry about. But it's not like it's not anticipated like it's stuff that's happened before it's just managing your time a little bit better uh i think at the end because like 
everyone's got that like cocktail of, okay, football, uh, study and free time fun. But when you have the study, when you need to ramp up the studying and football staying the same, you just can't have as much free time fun, right? Like it's just mainly football, school, go to sleep and, and do it all over the next day. It's just, there's less kind of free time or personal time, I think at the end of the day. And it's just a little bit more stressful, obviously, because the schoolwork is, it has a higher um, degree of importance to it, right? Because like midterms are a bigger chunk of your grade at the end of the day. Yeah. I think there's something to it. You know, like when I used to do Notre Dame baseball, when Paul Maneri was here, you know, just hearing him like, always talk about the mental strain and like you talk to former football players as well, former baseball, whatever sport that they happen to be, they'll, they'll tell you that there is something to it because of the, the, you know, the extra burden that you have when you're in season and you're also focusing on exams, that there is a definite mental fatigue that comes with it. But as Marcus Freeman said, you know, it's like, there's not much you can do about it. It's just kind of a, you know, it always seems to, it, fall around this time because this is every other year this is when usc comes to town and that's always when midterms seem to be so there's not much you can do about it they'll be on fall break next week and you know there'll be a bye week as well so they'll you know it's like they'll have time when it's time for now you got to get your stuff done and take care of some football that's all there is to it all right i'm going to save a couple of the, the other questions i saw the sam hartman question that popped up from Joe, we will uh, we'll we'll address that in rapid fire because I want to get into the whiteboard right now, as John says, whiteboard Thursday. It's here. So what have you got for us, Jessa? It sounds like it's pretty stacked up and it's ready to go. What are you bringing in the whiteboard? Today? Yeah. So the the first aspect, uh, there's going to be looking, you know, both sides of the ball, defense, offense. Um, I think I'd like to start defensively. So this is assuming. You know, uh, USC is on offense. Um, I'm going to mix in a little bit of from a a look that Notre Dame got into versus Louisville um, last week and just kind of explain how how those kind of reads can't happen against a team like USC. Okay. Um, And then more so focusing on to, you know, what Notre Dame needs to do to limit Caleb Williams. And I say limit because I don't think Notre Dame needs to get caught up in, 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 in the Caleb Williams like end all be all right. Like you can't, you, you can't just focus in on Caleb Williams too much. I think that you have to look at it more of a bigger picture and figure out ways you can affect Caleb Williams. So I think everyone gets caught up of getting him down to the ground, not letting him scramble around and then kind of everything else breaks down behind it. So I'm looking at, you know, ways to affect him without like completely submerging yourself into Caleb Williams. Right. Cause there's right. still 10 other let's players. Talk. Let's there. talk more whiteboard. Let's go. Whoa. Let's go. Come all on. right. Come on. So there was a look last week against Louisville where they broke off um, a 45-yard run. And I have a still shot of it right here that I want to share first. Okay. Just to paint the picture so everyone can see it. And then I'll get more into um, the whiteboard aspect of it. So this was what ends up happening here is Louisville just runs basically um, a lead zone to the field side here. And they score a touchdown. And there was, amongst Twitter, kind of a conversation about how this play needed to be fitted um, and whose overall kind of responsibility it was that this touchdown was led up. And I guess the why I'm bringing this up 
is because Notre Dame's going to get into a look like this against USC. And while USC um, is known for passing the ball, they can't pass the ball every play. And you can't give up the big runs to USC or it's only going to make their offensive attack more potent. I think that's what got that's what Notre Dame got into last year is they got too concerned about the pass game and really the run game gouged them against USC and I think ultimately is what beat them. And so this is, again, the importance to me of why you have to kind of make sure you're fitting everything. So uh, the the big debate here is the like the inside defensive linemen are all going to slant to the boundary on this play. Um, And really the the guy that is responsible for this play is Kaiser um, and Maris. So let me get to a different screen real quick. So this is same version of it, just on the whiteboard. Um, and so if we're identifying Kaiser, he's the end man on the line of scrimmage. And you kind of can see that I've draw, drawn in some arrows here a little bit of where everyone's slanting defensively and how the how the offensive line um, is also kind of you know picking up these blocks. So the main thing that you want to look at in this set, uh, and I think I've said this before, is you want to look at the up back on offense because he's going to lead you uh, – I would say 90% of the time where the play is going to go as a linebacker. This is the guy you want to read. He's going to take you to the play. Um, and so again, immediately their name's defensive line is all slanting to the boundary. Um, and there were people who were saying that Jack Kaiser also needed to slant towards the boundary. Um, but that's not, that's simply just not true. Jack Kaiser's job uh, is to set the edge here. And I'll show you why, because when this play develops, this lead back is going to take on Kaiser as he's setting the edge And Kaiser has two choices. Does he take this man on the outside and set the edge, take on half of his body and leave his outside arm free? Or does he take this block on the inside and allow the play to overflow to the outside? Um, As I was saying, as a linebacker in this set, you're reading specifically this guy. And so Maris is the other guy that is comboing this lead back with Jack Kaiser. And so how this play should ultimately work is this guy is leading up through the hole Jack Kaiser should take on his outside and Maris Leofau should be scraping over the top and filling the inside and they should just be comboing this block. So whoever this guy ends up deciding to block, the other guy should be making the tackle essentially. And Jack Kaiser is here to set the edge. And if this guy, if this running back wants to bounce out even more to the outside, when you have some of these, you know, corners down here, that are going to help you out. But the reason why Jack Kaiser can't take this play on the inside is because then that makes Maris Leofau scrape over the top even longer. He's now got to get to the outside. So what's a shorter route for Maris Leofau in this situation? It's the inside. And so that's why Jack Kaiser right. has to take on this lead block. Kaiser's got to set the, the edge outside. on the outside to force the running back to the inside of that hole. That's exactly what he does. But the problem is there's no Maris Leofau scraping over the top to step into that hole and stop him. Yeah. And so that was the the, the final part of the argument is that so the, the, there was a claim that Maris Leofau could never make this read in, in time quick enough. And Jalen Sneed could never make this time this read quick enough in time. And it's just simply not true because if you're keying in on your guy right here and you immediately see him here, Maris Leofau sees that, sees that. And rather than getting depth towards the hole, Maris just keeps going laterally, laterally as the running back has already gained four or five yards towards the line of scrimmage. And now he's just too far back. But if he immediately crashes this hole and trusts his eyes, and gets to this read, it's a really – like, it, it, the running back might gain a yard or two, but he's not he's not gashing but, you for yeah, a 45-yard touchdown. That's right, 
Because if the opposite happens, if Kaiser takes the inside, the cornerbacks are are being run off by the wide receivers. There's all the all the running back has to do is just bounce it outside. It's Kaiser's job to force him inside into the traffic. That's exactly what he does. But again, Leafell is late getting over there. You know, and that's what it. Comes yeah, and that's down that's to. that's the 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 unfortunate part about Maris, man, is he play and that's. You know, I get it. No football player is perfect, right? You're not going to make a perfect read every time, but it seems like when Maris kind of slips up, his are like the most important ones of the game type situations. And so he is more than capable of making this play. He just needs to trust his read and go immediately. And like I said, he he's just he's going laterally and he's stuttering. He has all the time to get there. He just doesn't he doesn't um, act on his instincts quick enough. Yeah. All right. So that was Again, kind of preluding the that can't happen against USC. You got to shut down their run game because if their run game's going, it's only going to make uh, that pass game more. And that's potent. what happened last year. Of course, Al Golden came out with that three man front last year and decided to play coverage. And Marcus Freeman kind of talked about that today that, you know, you can't just sit back and, and you know, and, and play coverage you've you've got to be able to shut down the run and and be a lot more aggressive than they were last year all right so what have you got here yeah so the 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 next main thing that i want to get into um is what are what is notre dame doing to affect caleb williams and i I started to talk about a little bit um caleb your main focus can't be we need to get caleb williams down caleb williams down at all costs you just can't really allow him to extend plays um, and the way that you're going to do that to me is you, you got to play games amongst the defensive line. Cause I went back and I watched film on, you know, basically since Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams have been at USC, I think there's been two instances where defenses have quote unquote shut down Caleb Williams or maybe done enough in order for, for, you know, USC to be vulnerable one of those matchups was last year against Oregon State. It was like a 17 to 14 game that USC barely snuck out. It was like the fourth, fifth game of the season. I watched a lot of that tape. And then I watched their game against Utah, uh, where, where Utah beat them. And that game was a little bit you had to take with a grain of salt because I don't know if people remember, but Caleb Williams suffered some sort of I wouldn't call it injury, but he wasn't he wasn't a hundred percent during the game. And so that you know that was also limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, for him as well. But the main common denominator that I noticed amongst these teams is they just found ways to get not unblocked guys to the quarterback, but they just found ways to bring stunts um, and just disrupt Caleb Williams, get in his face, you know, now make him get that ball out now, make him uncomfortable where he can't sit back there and necessarily get into his reads like he would uh, want to. So, you know, Notre Dame does this a lot where they'll bring up, you know, guys to the line of scrimmage and you don't know who's going to who's coming um, and who's going to drop out into coverage. And I think this has to be very effective against Caleb Williams, because when you bring up all these guys, you're, one, you're, you're confusing him and what kind of pressure you're bringing. And two, you're confusing him on what kind of coverage you're going to drop out to um, behind it. And so, you know, you can't. You can't get into playing all your, you know, defensive linemen and linebackers on the line of scrimmage every time. Uh, but for this variation, again, what I like about this is, and, and we saw this against Duke a little bit, right? I, I talked about this after the game, how Maris Leofile was so impactful because of 
how he was able to stunt, right? Like maybe Maris Leofau is coming up field uh, as one of these rushers, and then he falls off into like a spy into the middle of the field, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe they bring a stunt where this inside guy is coming out, this, you know, outside guy is coming in, a defensive tackle drops off. um, And then, you know, whatever stunt you got going on over here, you can get into all kinds of different stunts. But I think what's going to make this effective is you bring everyone up on the line of scrimmage and you you confuse him pre-snap of who's coming now and where is the coverage going to be. And I think that's, again, it's, it's, it's not like this is some game-changing thing, but it just slows down Caleb Williams enough and it confuses the lineman enough that maybe you get a guy free and Caleb Williams has to get the ball out now because a, a, a guy is in his face, essentially, right? So. I was just going to say, this is the kind of stuff that you're talking about that if Nolan Ziegler is in the kind of shape and is capable enough, you know, just in terms of knowing the defense, knowing his assignments, what's he's what what he's going to do. He's the kind of athlete who could be really effective in this kind of game plan that you're talking about if he's ready to go. Yeah. And I think uh, another person that I would look at and I, I've I've had some bias to before is like. Someone like Junior Tuyalamaka down here, right? Like as as maybe a defensive, like a third down defensive tackle guy, right? Like a guy that's a little bit quicker on his feet, knowing that the pocket could break down mm-hmm. um, and a third and long. Just having more of those kind of, you know, athletic defensive linemen, not your your big Howard Cross um, or, you know, guys like that. Or, or maybe, um, oh, who's the, uh, I can't think of his name, Riley Mills. Uh, potentially down there. Those are guys that you don't want in there in third and long um, because, you, again, if the pocket breaks down, you just want guys to be able to, to, you know, keep up with Caleb Williams essentially. So this is one way I look at it. And then I, I kind of talked about too, like you can't, you can't do this all game, right? Uh, so if you, if you go, if you get into more of Notre Dame's traditional defensive four down linemen and kind of the two linebackers here on the backside, um, I still think you can do, and again, what I saw from Oregon State, um, and Utah was, again, just kind of finding ways to bring different kind of pressures. But it's not like you're bringing five or six man pressure, right? You can still bring a four man pressure. Like, say, this guy comes off the edge. This linebacker now kind of comes off into the flat. Um, and then and maybe this, you know, this defensive end kicks off into the flat and you bring this linebacker kind of off the edge over here. Right. Just different stuff of bringing four man pressures. Um, but again, mixing up where you're coming from and who you're dropping off into coverage on the backside, I think that's going to have the strongest impact on Caleb Williams' game because I don't see it as more so, again, that you need to worry about sacking him or bringing him down. He's going to make plays. Just in the times that you can control it, get the ball out now. Make him uncomfortable. You want to speed him up. Yeah. Reads. Speed him up and make him have to get it out quicker than he wants to. You know, and, uh, But obviously the challenge with that – as Al Golden was talking about him this week, is like each play is two acts. The first act is Williams takes the snap, goes through his initial progression. Notre Dame did a great job of coverage last year on that initial progression. But then after that, as the pressure is getting to him, he always finds a way to elude. And it's not just against Notre Dame. We've seen it from him against virtually every team that – he has played. He, he gets away from that initial pressure, keeps his eyes downfield, keeps moving, and just manages to extend plays until finally there is some kind of breakdown in coverage and he gets the pass off. And more times than not, it's complete. That's that's the biggest challenge of, 
of Caleb Williams is getting that ball out of his hands quicker than he wants it to be out of his hands. Exactly. And I think that's got to be the name of the game um, in terms of, you know, defense. Because like, I think, you know, Notre Dame's secondary is fine. They, they, they played against one of the best wide receiver corps in the country. While this quarterback is going to be more talented, he's going to extend the play longer. So you're going to have to be in coverage probably a little bit longer. I'm not worried more so about Notre Dame's secondary. I'm more worried about their front six. Um, and again, what are they doing to disrupt Caleb Williams' schedule, essentially, at the end of the day? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is my fun time. This is where we can get into <laughs> Notre Dame's offense and talk a little bit here. Are you going um, to make Jeff happy here with the two-back set stuff now? Like, yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, there's there's two major concepts that I kind of looked at. Um, the, the first one is how can we get Chris Tyree and Faison on the field together at the same time? Because that sounds kind of fun to me. It does to um, me too. And using their speed um, to their ability. And another thing to me is like Marcus Freeman has made it kind not made it a point, but Faison being on scholarship means something, right? Like you're not, you're not bringing him on to scholarship. You're not elevating him from practice squad. If you're not, if you're not going to use him. And so what yes. can we do? Because you're committing a full scholarship to the guy. Now. Exactly. I mean, that's, and that's so a, that's a big commitment. That's a large commitment. And so if you're going to do that, what are you going to do to get him into the passing game? What 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 complements him the best? And I, there, there's probably multiple answers to this. But to me, a more fun aspect of, of what you could get into um, is what I'm about to show here. And okay. I think the thing you got to what I'm going to try to emphasize against going against USC's defense is they're primarily a 3-4 defense, but they'll shift down into a 4-2-5 as well. And so if you're Notre Dame, Jared Parker's goal this week is how can we get them stuck into, you know, between the 3-4 and the 4-2-5, how can you get them stuck formationally, gridlock them formationally, and attack maybe being in a 3-4 when they should be in a four, two, five or vice versa, essentially. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, if Notre Dame comes out and this look, this kind of look right here, this is, this is 10 personnel um, balls on the left hash. You have a two by two. So two wide receivers into the boundary, two wide receivers to the field side uh, quarterbacks and shotgun. And then you have a, a running back uh, also to the field side with him. This is going to force a team like USC to get into uh, more of a three 
a three, four look because it's more of a passing down. They're going to play, be playing a three, four only, you know, committing three defensive linemen and more of a passing situation. Right. And so what I have right here is basically phase on and Chris Tyree in a double slot. Look, you have, if you're going to go two by two, you can have each of them um, in the slot. And I think what's good about putting them both in the slot is just allow them to use their speed, man. Like these guys are small, they're shifty, but most importantly, they have some speed. So what kind of concepts would you want to get into um, if you're Notre Dame? I think what you do is is kind of like, um, I, I, I would describe it as like a cross face um, replace. So I would ultimately have both of these guys kind of run, you know, fades out towards the sideline here. Um, and then what you're doing is you're impacting the guys that you're crossing face. You're making this defensive back either make a decision of, am I going to go or is, is, is it going to be, you know, more so um, passed off. And then what I like about that is you can have some of your more bigger body wide receivers on the outside. Like maybe this is Jaden Thomas. Um, and then you have great house on the other side. And a simple route is you just replace the guy that's crossing the face. And so you just kind of like sit down right here. Right. And so if you use Chris Tyree's speed to kind of flush out the secondary, you immediately replace them with a, a bigger body kind of wide receiver and immediately set down into like a shorter, um, more intermediate route. And you make, you force these defensive backs to make a decision, right? Because it's going to be basically, they're either going to be in man or they're going to switch off into coverage. And this free safety has to go um, either way. And so if they want to commit to more of the underneath route, Okay, then well now you have Chris Tyree or Faison running deep, and then if they want to, you know, be more secure, um, you could come down into these more shorter, intermediate routes underneath. Let me ask you this because you said this is ten personnel, and you talked to like there is a couple of things. One, the outside receivers have not been as productive. Two, there's lack of depth with the outside receivers, especially because we still don't know if Jaden Greathouse how close to 100% he is with that hamstring. Marcus Freeman said you know, last week that he, that he wasn't 100% after the Duke game. So what do you think about like this same look? And it, it doesn't even have to be this formation, but just in general, because of the lack of depth with the outside receivers, you know, what I was going to say is even 11 personnel, but you're substituting <laughs> Mitchell Evans on the outside, basically, for, you know, like either Tobias or Jaden Thomas or whoever it happens to be on the outside. What would you th- what would you think about that? Yeah. So um, I would think about that is I have a slide kind of queued up because that was the next thing I was going to get into is a little bit of 11 personnel. And it's, it's funny because. Like you said, you have no idea most of the time what I'm going to get into. And you're just like, oh, what if they did 11 personnel? <laughs> Here we go. I have 11 personnel ready. Um, what I fear with 11 personnel, and I still think it could be effective, um, is now I think if you bring in an extra tight end on the line of scrimmage, that's when you're going to – USC would be forced to commit. They couldn't They couldn't run a 3-4, I don't think if once Notre Dame starts going 11, 12 personnel. So I think that's when you would start to see them shift more into that, you know, four down linemen, two linebackers, and then your five secondary guys. And this, even though this guy looks like a linebacker, so it looks like a four, three, really he's just splitting the difference between in men and the line of scrimmage 
and the farthest wide receiver, right? So this is still more of like a, a, a hybrid, you know, linebacker kind of coverage type player. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's cool about this is same concept, right? It's, it's still kind of like double slots. And I, I like, again, like if this is, you know, Chris Tyree um, somewhere over here and this is Faison over here, what's cool about this is you can get into um, similar concepts of, you know, washing these guys out deep and then allowing kind of Mitchell Evans to cross face, you know, on a shorter route, you know, like a quick five yard out route. And now I'm going to take my chances with Mitchell Evans on, you know, maybe uh, an undersized linebacker and uh, potentially a cornerback, depending on how they, you know, these guys, you know, pass off these pass routes by Notre Dame. But what, what's so good about it again is, you have these faster guys kind of, you know, flushing everything out and you're making these guys make a decision instantly. And if they want to play the deep ball, well, that's fine. I have the security blanket of Mitchell Evans underneath. Okay. You want to take away the short stuff. Well, that's when Notre Dame needs to try to take their chances downfield and hit those home run balls um, too. So that's just one of the concepts um, I like. And then another one that I think is, would be really beneficial with using Faison and Chris Tyree together is you can you can run them on basically you know flood routes underneath, and then mm-hmm. it, it it gets really wonky there because who's <laughs> when the two fastest guys potentially are on the field at the same time and they're flooding out the middle of the field, someone's got to make a decision right, and then you you can still mess with you know maybe you try to sneak a tight end up the seam while all that's going on uh, and get a mismatch that you like, or you know maybe this guy works a, a, a deeper post now too so. It, it, you have the two underneath routes. You have your tight end leaking up the seam, and you have your other outside wide receiver running a, a deep post over the middle of the field. That puts this safety in a bind. Is he going to commit to the tight end, or is he going to help out? Um, you know, on on the on the wide receiver doing a post over the middle. That's going to leave someone one on one. The safety can't help both guys at the same time. So, ultimately, what I'm getting at is with Faison and Chris Tyree speed you can flood out a lot of different zones and allow some of these other strong handed, bigger bodied, you know, receiving guys that Notre Dame has to make more of those underneath catches. And if Mm -hmm. USC wants to start coming up on those, that's when you can start hitting those deep balls to, you know, Faison and Tyree because they're potentially getting a one-on-one matchup down the field. All right. I like that. I like that concept. Good concepts. Whether or not it happens, I guess we'll see. (laughs) And then I have one more. But I agree with what you said. You just gave Faison a scholarship, and you moved him up. And they, you know, they they do have guys who can play slot. If you're going to do that, especially with the speed that he has and the lack of overall speed that we have seen from the entire unit. Again, I'm not saying that there's no speed out there, but like those are the two fastest guys, really. Especially with other guys having hamstring issues right now. Faison and Tyree are the two speed guys, and. You've got to find a way, I think, to utilize them together, not necessarily. Yeah, exactly, because they they're they're best. I think you're going to see their best potential when they're on the field together. And so now, like you said, once you've committed to Faison, what are you doing for Faison's game to allow him to be the most effective? I think that's pairing him with Tyree and seeing what they can do on the field together. And I mean, you could also line them up next to each other. And then really make a safety have to, you know, kind of make it a do or die decision. Who, who am I going with here? Exactly. Then, you know? Yeah. 
So I think that's that's got to be the fun. And, and, and then someone in the chat just mentioned you can put Evans into the slot as well. I think those are the three guys who you just got to – like this game should be consistently hammering them in the slot with Chris Tyree, Faison, and Evans. I think you can you can really mess with USC of what you're trying to accomplish out of the slot, right? Are we trying to burn you on this play or are we trying to get, you know, maybe three, four yards underneath more type of play? But I really like those three um, – players in the slot. And so then I got one last thing uh, that that's really fun. And this is what you mentioned earlier um, of, of two back personnel. And this just plays into what I think would be so effective for Notre Dame, because what did we talk about last week was a big issue is it felt like Notre Dame comes to the line of scrimmage. They have one play and they're running that one play no matter what. Well, if you look at what I have right here, I think Notre Dame could potentially get into like four different plays just from this one different formation. And depending on, you know, what Sam Hartman uh, is looking at here. So right now you have ball middle of the field, just a simple two by two uh, set. So two wide receivers to each side, uh, quarterbacks and shotgun, as well as the running back. Um, so immediately this just looks like kind of what I was just going through, right? Like you might have Faison in the slot here, Tyree in the slot here, and some of those routes uh, that I just got into. But what would be fun to me is if you line up Jeremiah Love in the slot right here. And then what what ultimately is, is fun about this is I think you could get in <laughs> – Man, this this segment alone could be like ten or fifteen minutes. I'm gonna try to go one at, <laughs> one step at a time here. Okay. But, uh, so say immediately you come out in this set and you know you you see that USC has three down linemen, right? And so you motion Jeremiah Love quickly into the backfield, and now we're into we're into twenty two uh, personnel or two back personnel right now immediately. And so what that does is that makes USC have to decide what are they gonna do defensively are they going to commit down you know shift over bring a fourth offensive lineman or sorry fourth guy down because I don't think you can get into having three down linemen with a two back set because Notre Dame would ultimately um, eat that up but right now I think you have immediately two plays to attack so like say you get you get USC stuck in this three-man front right here right and you just um you just motioned uh, Jeremiah Love into the backfield. Well, why not use Aud big Audric Estime as like a lead blocker out here on the edge? And then you hand the ball off to Jeremiah Love. And, you know, USC is trying to fit five guys in the box, potentially with, you know, six Notre Dame guys and uh, a running back coming at you. Right. And so I think this is an easy, easy look where you just get Jeremiah Love out there. You motion him into the backfield and then you just get into kind of some lead power with your two most dynamic backs yeah. um, on the field at the same time, right? And so, okay, maybe you come out, you motion Jeremiah Love into the backfield, and, and for some reason USC is ready for it. They're a strong defensive team. You know, they're, they're, they're ready for this formation. They bring four guys down. They kind of shift coverage a little bit. Um, what's so cool about this then is now instead of having the numbers in the run game, you potentially have the numbers – in the past game, right? Because say you fake that look and then you get into an RPO look and then now you're leaking someone like Jeremiah Love out of the backfield. You have different guys kind of running routes on the backside here. And 
again, now you, you, you in an RPO potential look, you fake to handoff. You've you know you've got a guy. You're you're forcing a linebacker to make a decision. Is he going to commit to the run? Is he going to step back into the pass? And depending on that, you know maybe Sam Hartman keeps it at the end of the day. So you've already gotten into now four different kind of looks or, or, or plays that you can get into off of just uh, one formation, right? And so and 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 again, it, it allows you to be dynamic with your two best running backs. Um, at the same time, and, and if you're not going to use them in, in the run game, you can quickly, again, leak them out of the backfield because Jeremiah Love is so good about catching those screens and getting what seems like five, six yards every time, right? So say everything's bottled up, the security blanket is just dumping it down to Jeremiah Love um, into the flats. And I just don't trust that USC is defensively sound to make these decisions all on the fly. Like you can just get, and again, this goes back into getting them crossed up of, do you guys want to play a three, four, or do you want to play a four, two, five? And depending on what the, what look is given, I think you have something ready to attack them uh, at the same time. Right. Cause if they go three down lemon, you just run a power run scheme with your two running backs. If they get down into a four man look, you can easily run like a RPO look and get the ball out um, quickly. So that was the second play that I would kind of run out of this look. And okay. if we were to move Jeremiah Love back over um, into the slot, you know, what is what does Notre Dame love to do as well? They love to get into 11, 12 personnel, right? So maybe maybe this is Mitchell Evans out here on the slot, and this is Jeremiah out here um, in the slot, and you get into a double motion where you bring Mitchell Evans down to the line of scrimmage. You bring Jeremiah Love into the backfield. Now what does USC do? They are extremely outnumbered in the box. Now you have seven guys potentially in the box for Notre Dame and pre-snap before anyone's, you know, moved on, on USC side, they only have six. And so are they going to be able to adjust uh, quickly enough? And then again, you can get into more of those power run schemes out of this because you have a tight end kind of sealing the edge and then Audric Estime leading up behind him and then Jeremiah Love coming behind him. Or do you get into another RPO look and run some sort of passing concept um, out of it at the same time. But again, it's it's just easy formations to get into depending on if you can have that personnel on the field. And it's all pre-snap looks. I just ran, you know, three different plays um, just based off of, you know, what USC is giving you. So I think potentially finding ways to line up Jeremiah Love in the slot, motioning him into the backfield, getting into some of that two-back personnel, maybe bringing down Mitchell Evans if he's in the game, or maybe leaving that wide receiver displaced if it's Chris Tyree, Faison, and then just getting into all different kinds of concepts just out of one formation. Great stuff. Great stuff. My head is spinning. There's so much stuff. and You've, <laughs> you've, you've, you've got the chat all wound up about all the possibilities that they have. I guess we'll have to see if we actually see it on Saturday though great prep great whiteboard knocked it out of the park oh there went jesse he went uh, flying <laughs> right out of the room when he took his whiteboard out of the room so we're gonna have to wait here for a second for him to get back but uh uh oh here he comes i exited out of the wrong screen sorry about that it's all right 